just like last week, I do see many new faces. So welcome everyone to the One Dharma Center. And also in this circle, circle, in this group, we have students from one Institute of Graduate Studies, acupuncture students, seven of them, six of them, and one, one Buddhist students, and two guiding Kyomunins. So welcome all. I believe you are familiar with Taylor Swift, a phenomenal singer of our time. So if you don't know her, please put up your hand. Oh my God, you don't know her? You, you do know her, right? I'm lost. Taylor Swift, please Google her. She is having the global you know, concert right now. I came across an article in the New York Times titled, A Harvard Professor Prepares to Teach a New Subject, Taylor Swift. What a powerful and influential life she has had. So I wondered, if the course was on Taylor Swift, would it be an optional one or mandatory? My guess is, it is likely to be an elective. Similarly, let's consider the subject of generosity. Would this be an optional course or a required one in Buddhist practice? I think generosity is not optional. This morning, I'd like to talk about the fact that sharing is a foundational aspect of our spiritual practice and explain why. When it comes to One Buddhism, our practice is akin to taking courses in college. Everywhere we look, we encounter terms such as training, study, subject, or grades. Sometimes we call grades stages. In fact, there are six stages regarding one's Dharma progress starting from the beginner's level all the way up to the greatly enlightened Buddhas. One of the practice subjects in One Buddhism is maintaining a daily diary, which consists of several items for checking mindfulness. Alongside your personal mindful lists, there are items called he shi he su, which assess whether we contribute to the benefit of others or receive such contributions. Through this checklist, we evaluate the blessings that have accumulated in our spiritual savings account. I believe there is another reason why this checklist item of generosity is included in the diary. I think it is to cultivate the habit of sharing in our daily life as part of our practice. There is nothing in our lives that is not habit, not a habit. We brush our teeth at least twice a day. I do three times. Eat three times. Change into clothes once or twice. And sleep once or twice. And in between, there are countless repetitive, repetitive actions 
that become habits in our lives. It is fair to say that our habits define who we are. When it comes to habits, there are personal habits and communal ones as well. In one Buddhism, I mean in one Dharma Center community, more people have studied integrating meditation into their daily routines. This is a promising aspect of our Sangha. However, I observe a limited number of people engaging in the practice of generosity through donations. I think this aspect is one to which we need to pay more attention. Here is a story of Mr. Lee, who starts his day with the habit of making donations. Mr. Lee is not a one Buddhist practitioner. But every day, as soon as he arrives at his office, he opens his computer and donates $10 to one of the online charity sites specifically designated to help children in need. He is determined to assist 99 children, including those with disabilities. For him, sharing is a part of his life. He said, when you've built the habit of sharing, you naturally continue to share, just like a happy virus. It'll spread far and wide. Eventually, I believe it'll spread to the beneficiary and make them benefactor. I want to continue a life of sharing until the end of my life, as long as I have ability. I know one practitioner in the North Carolina temple community who buys a bundle of flowers each week to bring to the temple. And he says that he is happy to see his fellow practitioners smile as they appreciate the flowers on the altar. From our community, Venerable Myung Tawanim, our retired Kyomunim who's sitting back there, never forgets to bring her donations to the Dharma gatherings, especially during a deliverance service or a big celebratory event. I see that sharing has become a part of their lives. Sharing is a practice that creates a vessel for Buddhahood, along with the practice of meditation. When what we seek in life are, in fact, only two aspects, wisdom and blessings. These two qualities are distinctive entity in their own right. This implies that although you might have cultivated a certain level of wisdom, you may still lack blessings. They do not come as a byproduct of your meditation practice. Therefore, blessings must be accumulated through separate effort. In the world, people tend to lean in one of two directions, those who share and those who do not. Common reasons among those who do not share include, I don't have enough to share yet. 
and I'll share later when I earn more. To which group do you belong? I must confess that I used to be one of those individuals not inclined to share, especially when it came to matters of money. For a while, I may have held the conventional idea that my life as an ordained kyomunim is inherently a life of sharing. What more could I possibly share? However, such thoughts were rooted in my ego self which blocked the pathway between my head and my boundless love in my heart. After all, a spiritual journey unfolds in the space between my head and my heart. Let's think about the essence of sharing. What can we share? Those with financial resources can share their money. Individuals Possessing talents can contribute their skills, and those with available time can offer their time. The list could go on. However, preceding these external factors, those who share have a common thread, the pure intention behind their actions. As we are all aware, not all affluent, affluent individuals engage in sharing simply because of their wealth. The same principle applies to talents or time. Prior to any consideration of external possessions, intention always underlies all external actions. Sharing is not about the quantity we possess, but rather our willingness to share from the heart. Here is the story of an individual who is evidence of this principle. Born as an orphan in Korea in 1957, long times ago, Mr. Kim escaped from, from an orphanage at the age of 12, aimlessly wandering wandering in search of meaning in a dissatisfying world. Many years later, he stumbled upon an article outlining the hardships faced by children in an orphanage, and he felt as if he were reading his own story. Moved by empathy, he felt compelled to do anything that might offer assistance. At that time, he worked as a delivery man in a small Chinese restaurant, earning a monthly salary of about $500. Mr. Kim, who used that money to help poor children, found contentment, even living in a tiny room without windows. He abandoned habits of drinking and smoking to fulfill his long-standing wish of sponsoring children. Regrettably, he met with a fatal car accident while making his delivery and died on the spot. After his passing, the world came to know of his genuine acts of sharing. Mr. Kim's life is testament to sharing from the humblest circumstances, prompts us to reflect is it necessary to have a lot to share? 
The pure intention from one's heart is the driving force behind the act of sharing. So if you, if you find yourself trapped in a mindset of scarcity or the habit of postponing sharing, remind yourself that practicing generosity doesn't necessarily require abundance. Sharing is about the willingness of the heart rather than the quantity we possess. When it comes to sharing, there is one common understanding that the focus is on giving to others and helping others. It may seem like other than giving the benefactor a sense of contentment, the main benefit of sharing is primarily experienced by a recipient. However, the benefit of sharing is also experienced by those who make the offer. In 1988, Korea has Olympic Games, but Harvard Medical School conducted two experiments. The first one was conducted as follows. Students were divided into two groups. One group engaged in paid labor, while the other participated in volunteer work. After the activities, the results of Testing changes in immune function revealed a significant improvement only in the group that took part in volunteer activities. The students' immune function had notably increased and antimicrobial substances that combat harmful pathogens had also emerged. The second ex experiment involved students watching videos of the life of Mother Teresa, the saint who dedicated her life to caring for the lifelong poor. After the video ended, the measurement result of students' immune antibodies showed a much higher level than before watching the video. Two surprising facts were proven through these experiments. The immune system is enhanced simply by directly sharing or witness, witnessing the sharing of others. This is known as the Mother Teresa effect. Through the practice of sharing, both the recipient and the giver mutually benefit. Here's another study proving the facts of sharing with an interesting fact about pure intention. The University of Michigan conducted a study on 13,000 graduates from the class of 1957. In 2004, which is 47 years later after their graduation, they asked, the participants if they had engaged in volunteer work regularly. They found that those regularly volunteering for the past decade had a 1.6 death rate, while those without volunteer experience had a 4.3 rate, three times higher. An interesting fact is that there is almost no difference in the a death rate between those who volunteered for personal gain 
or to show up, and those who did not volunteer. Isn't that interesting? This is where the concept of tana, tana Sanskrit word for generosity comes in. Tana practice includes the gift, the act of giving, and pure intention. Master Sutesan explains this as fertilizing trees, either by digging the fertilizer into the soil or spreading it on top of the soil. When a disciple asked, what is the difference between making dana offerings that retain a single, I mean, sign of self, which means ego, and making dana offering that are free from the sign of ego? Master Sutesan, the founding teacher of One Buddhism, said, dana practices is like fertilizing fruit trees. Making offerings that retain signs of self is like spreading fertilizer on top of the soil. But making offerings that are si signless is like digging fertilizer into the soil. Fertilizer spread on top of the soil can be easily scattered, but fertilizer dug into the soil will find its energy to be long-lasting and effective. Earlier in my talk, I mentioned two aspects of seeking, seeking in life. Do you remember? Oh my. <laughs> Wisdom and blessings. While these two elements need to be cultivated separately, wisdom shines light upon our life to realize the truth of no self, supporting us in letting go of a sense of I. With the light of wisdom, pure consciousness will remain after we practice generosity. Lastly, Let's think about sharing and success. And they are correlated. Let's think about how. So here is a question. Who wouldn't want to lead a successful life? Success, in a general sense, can mean achieving fame, wealth, high social position, and more. Now, how about considering success in the context of spiritual life? It could be the attainment of Buddhahood, representing a spiritually abundant life. This involves cultivating wholesome connections in all aspects of life, including financial, physical, and mental well-being. Once in a while, I think about a person who kindly shared his water in a random rural town in Spain while I was on my walking pilgrimage there in 2019. That day, I had become really tired from my long walk, and I didn't have any water left. Without feeling ashamed, I asked another pilgrim if he could share his wa water with me. He willingly offered his water bottle. 
and I was deeply grateful for the shared water and his kind gesture. When living in the world, we may find ourselves being helped by someone we do not know at all. It could be a coincidence, but from a causal perspective, nothing happens without reason. The scriptures of one Buddhism state in the consequences of gratitude to parents, that practicing gratitude to our own parents naturally will lead the world to regard us with respect. Consequently, individuals who practice gratitude to their parents and those who lack self-power will constantly receive help from others throughout many lifetimes. When practicing the life of sharing, we will find many supportive people around us. Without a calculating mind, sharing what we have with others enables us to connect with a bro broader community. Clearly, life will unfold abundantly. Every day in the early morning, I walk the trails here at the One Dharma Center. I usually see deer playing in a wide open meadow. Sharing this space where deer freely warm, I mean roam and the path is renewed and refreshed daily, I am truly grateful to be able to enjoy this nature every day. At times like this, I find myself appreciating the fact that, that I live in the One Dharma Center, surrounded this beautiful scenery. As I feel grateful, I reflect on the idea that I must have accumulated good karma at some point of my life. So last Sunday, I was, as I walking on the trails, I could almost sense the heart of our kind neighbor who have expressed their gratitude and appreciation for using our trails through their monthly donations. I invite you to reflect on the good fortune of being able to enjoy this Sunday service in this space. Be grateful for your life. Remind yourself of the moment when you've received help from random people. In those moments, you can pat your shoulders, yourself on the shoulders, giving credit for the good karma you've likely built and express gratitude. And don't forget that you can continue practicing a life of sharing. Sharing is a foundational spiritual subject that will pave the way toward a abundant life ahead of you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.